There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton. Sober since 2015. Yeah! Yeah, I just thought I'd mix it up. Like, love doing the chats, getting great feedback on how-to episodes. And so I thought this is like just another, you know, just expression of helping people. But it's also we're going to provide a – we're going to provide two different – points of view correct a similar question yeah and you have a different view from your like the kind of work that you do in the world versus the kind of work that i do in the world so we're going to have different answers and some of that will resonate with some people and some of it won't hey friends welcome to last drinks now this is a new type of episode which i'm really excited about putting together with my wonderful new friend bell who joins me on the podcast hello hello Hey, this is really fun. So Belle and I connected through um, the chat that we had on the podcast a a few weeks ago. And since then, we've kind of kept in touch. And I've wanted to do an episode on the podcast where like an AMA, ask us, ask me anything about sobriety. And I kind of floated this idea with you, Belle, and you were like, let's do it. And we come at sobriety from these really different viewpoints because... We're in different parts of the world. We came to sobriety for different reasons. Um, We live different lives. And so that can be really helpful. One of us is older. (laughs) We won't tell you which one. No, we won't say who's. And one of us works as a sober coach, so has had exposure to 3,400 people doing this, which is different from the perspective that you've had and the kind of work and the, in the public way that you've done your sobriety too. So it's a completely different approach. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really value about what you offer, Belle, is this, like this sense that people can get help anonymously. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that it's a secret, but it's just to say that you're that invisible cheer squad for a person who comes to sobriety and is like, I don't know. And another thing that I love um, that you talked about when we had a chat was like micro adjustments as opposed to like changing everything forever. You talk about these subtle little micro adjustments. And I think we're all kind of doing that in our own way anyway. It's like, did that work? No, let's try it this way. Did that work? Yes, let's keep going. What else do we need to adjust accordingly? And these like tiny little micro adjustments add up to safeguarding and, you know, a successful sobriety experience. I think it's sort of, if you think about it, like making a banana cake, there's only six or seven ingredients, but how you put it together can dramatically change its outcome. And if you want a cake that's a little taller, then you change the size of the pan and then you cook it for a little bit longer. And then if you want to swap out white sugar for brown sugar, 
and but you can make a whole bunch of small changes until you get the version that works for you. But there's, you know what? There are some people who come to banana cake, see a recipe, make it, it doesn't work, and then say banana cake doesn't work. And I don't think that's, uh, it's not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful to see it that way. But certainly in terms of mental health things. Yeah. Like you can't just say, oh, well, it doesn't work for me. You have to sort of go to plan B and plan C and plan D and find some small changes that you can make so you can feel better. That is such a great analogy. And I even called it banana cake for you because in North America, we call it banana bread, even though it is not a bread, what? it's a cake. No. But we bake it in a bread pan. So we it's call it, but no, it's banana bread here you too. Do. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's not bread. It is cake. So it should be, <laughs> you You got it correct. It should be banana oh cake. Can we put the recipe for banana bread in the show notes? I, I yeah, abs- yes, okay. I will find um. You know my version's going to be like no refined sugar and coconut oil because oh, I have a that. catering version that I sell, so I have that one. Okay, okay. let's do yours. Do yeah, yours will be tastier. <laughs> okay, well, um, we have asked for um, people in our respective tribes to reach out with questions about sobriety or anything really. And so we've gathered together a couple of audio messages that we're going to just play and unpack and see how we go. So, Well, I think what's so cool about having audio questions is you get to hear the person. Mm. But, you know, when you listen to the questions, I think eventually you hear someone who sounds like you. Yeah. Either by accent or by their by their by the question or the tone. And you, I just i am always so impressed with how genuine and honest people sound. My name's Duncan. I am 21 days sober today. I live in London. I would ask you to tell me more about how important it is for me to find like-minded people on the same trajectory as I am, the same place as I am, maybe around about 21 days sober, in order to dovetail in with on my journey. I suspect it's important. I don't quite know how to find them. So any thoughts, any advice, any opinions you have would be of interest. Thanks so much. How do I find people on this journey on day 21 is a really tricky question. Because if I look at my story, I felt very alone in my sobriety for a really long time. And it's not because I stopped socializing. It's just because I was the only one doing it sober and I didn't really have anyone to talk to. So I think the beauty of being on day 21 now is there are so many online forums. There are so many communities that uh, have sobriety as their foundation that you can tap into and engage with. So here in Australia, Hello Sunday Morning is an amazing organization where um, you can go online and instantly get a bunch of people who are on or around day 21 who are plugging into the forum going, hey, it's good. Hey, it's tough. How are you going? And you can find all sorts of, you know, feedback and you can, it's re, I feel like it's a lot easier now to tap into these really established forums. And in the UK, um, I would say like Duncan can probably tap into um, like Laura Willoughby's community um, and they're about to launch the first like um, non-alcoholic shop in London, which is amazing. So her whole um, club soda is her online community about mindful drinking. And there I think you're going to be able to engage with people who are 
in and around day 21 or who have done a day 21 or are coming up to a day 21 and you can have those conversations really freely without judgment um, and people will understand where you're at. So I guess, yeah, tapping into those, finding an online forum that works for you um, is probably the, the, the best way to go three weeks in. Okay, because what's so fascinating about this is that my view as a coach is completely different okay. from, what the intu- from what the intuitive answer is, which is what you just gave, right? Yeah. Which is go find the people, find people like you. Find the people. Depending on what country you're in, whether it's online or not, but go find your people. And I think that other sober writers and speakers would say exactly what you said. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and I don't think that I'm right. I just have a different a lens that I look at this through, right? This is why I wanted to do this with you. I think that on day 21, what you need is guidance from someone further along from you, not someone else on day 21. Sure. Two people on day two with a manual don't, don't learn how to drive a truck. It's and true. I think that the problem is that we want to match up with a buddy who's on day three and we're all going to be on day three. And then suddenly somebody's not on day three and then somebody else is on day, you're further along and then they're not. Mm. The idea the myth of it is so compelling. Like we will go as a group through this hard thing and support each other. And I'm going to be on day 21 and you're going to be on day 21. And that way we'll know what we're going through, except that we're not going through exactly the same thing. Sure. And the person who's going to guide you to get out of harm's way, add a little more care here, remove that particular, you know, hurdle. Sounds like what you need here is a bit of this is someone further along. Now, most commonly, that is a sponsor in AA. Mm. Most commonly, it's like AA is not 25 people who are on day 25 sitting in a room. No, it's that's true. further along, right? Yeah. The problem is that most people, and I mean most, don't want to use AA as their first option, or they are against it for some other religious or philosophical reasons, or they're embarrassed because you do have to put your face in a room, even if it's anonymous. There's an online version. That's all true. Mm. But a sponsor is a person who's been where you are and has been further along than you both and can say, you know what, that's feeling like that on day 16, that's totally normal. Wait until you see day 19, it's way better. And I can only say from having worked with thousands of people that you do see patterns of stuff and you do Mm. know what's normal. And you can say to somebody on 21, it's totally normal to feel alone. Like you said. It's totally normal to feel alone like you're in a room full of people, but you're the only one doing this. And it is super helpful to talk to somebody somewhere and to have a group of, of other people on the same day as you, fine, but also to have somebody further along. Yeah, I love that idea that it can be both. So it, of course. It's, and you make a great point, Belle. Yes, find people in the same place. Absolutely. But find someone further down the road who's got the the ability and the and the magical gift of hindsight to go, well, hey, you want yeah, what they have. Yeah. You want what they have. And yeah. So you need to figure out how did they get it. Yeah. And it's it's the analogy that I've given is literally that no one you know knows how to drive a car legally without lessons. No one. Yeah, People it's so not, true. Because the vehicle is so important. And the results of doing it badly are so catastrophic Mm. that if you don't actually have guidance, but again, the guidance can be you have a colleague at work who's three years sober. 
it doesn't have to be a formal arrangement. You might have a doctor, you might have an addiction specialist, you might have a sober coach like me, you might have a, you might have a, a sponsor at AA and that's free. Mm. Um, and then if you don't like that sponsor, three months later you switch and you have a different sponsor. Yeah. Uh, but when we bounce the ideas off of somebody else, we get guidance and that's, that's helpful. What's also really encouraging for Duncan with especially what you've said, Belle, is that I really feel that people who are further down the track want to help other people. There's this, I don't, I don't know if it's a social responsibility that comes with sobriety, but I have noticed the trend of when people realize how amazing long-term sobriety is, they want everyone else to experience it. And there's, so people are always like, I'll help you. Oh yeah. Like you just, you just quit drinking. Oh my God. Let me, let me talk you through it. Let me be that person for you. You know, if you reach out, if you need a hand, let me know if you get stuck. And I, I love that. There's this, there are endless options there for sure. Especially if you're asking a sober person for the support. I think the other thing that we should clarify is that when you're looking for sober support, you do not ask your drunk neighbor no. to be your accountability person and you don't tell your drunk neighbor that you've quit drinking and ask for their help. Correct. And I don't mean drunk neighbor. That sounds pejorative. But you know, your over-drinking neighbor with whom you often socialize exactly. is not your sober support. It definitely can be both, right? So you getting to be on the same page as a group of other people, I think makes you feel seen and heard. Like I'm on day 21, you're on day 21. We're here. This is where we're at. This is hard. So can I enlist the help of somebody who's further down the track to let me know it's going to be okay? I can keep going. You know, the the benefits are coming. The shame will cease to control my thoughts. All, all of those things, like wherever you're at. And so many people would be in so many different emotional, mental and physical states on day 21, depending on what their relationship with alcohol was leading into the sobriety bit. Next. How do you discuss with friends and family your decision to stop drinking alcohol without them thinking there's a major problem, but also that down the track they don't continue to ask when I'm going to start drinking again? Ooh, that's I love a... this question. I get this question all the time. I love this question. Yeah, this is a really big question. Well, you love this question, so you, you go first, Belle. Who to tell and what to say? How do I tell people that I've quit drinking without making it sound like I have a problem? It actually turns out that most of us overshare and say too much. Here's what you say. Hi, can I get you a drink? Uh, no, thanks. I'm not drinking these days. I'll start with tonic. Period. That's it. Okay. If you get a, if you get a follow-up question, which you will not 80% of the time, if you get a follow-up question from the 20% of people who actually care whether or not you're drinking alcohol or not tonight, you say, yeah, it turns out it was affecting my sleep, so I'm taking a break. Yeah. Period. Stop talking. That's the problem. The problem is talk, 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 talk. I just found that I drank too much, and you know, it runs my family. And no, okay, number one, normies don't care. Like normal drinkers don't care. And over drinkers are going to feel threatened or ask too many questions or feel like it's a comment on how much they drink. The truth is, if you say, I'm taking antibiotics, no one will ask a second question. If you have a nosy mother-in-law and you say, I have a yeast infection, she will stop talking. (laughs) Right? That's so true. Okay? Yeah. So uh, I think if you say, 
and if and if pressed by somebody who is a bit more difficult, you can say it was affecting my sleep, and it just turns out I feel better with none. How long are you going to do that? I don't know. Turn, turns out I like feeling better. Um, I didn't realize it was impacting my sleep as much as it was. Now, for everybody who overdrinks, it affects their sleep. For everybody who overdrinks, they can say I've given it up because it affected my sleep. Everybody who overdrinks had their sleep affected. It's a completely viable, true, ex true explanation. I'm not suggesting that you flat out lie, although you can flat out lie about having a yeast infection and really no one's going to check. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I So I say to people, you've got to prepare yourself and have a sober response. And the shorter it is, the better. The less I words totally you agree. use yes. to yes. explain, the better. And it's because, like, and I'm, I'm so fine with just sitting in the awkwardness of somebody else's discomfort. Right. <laughs> right? Right. right? So, like, and I'm not suggesting either that you lie, but there, there are so many reasons why somebody will take some time away from drinking or decide to become sober and stop drinking for a month, a hundred days or forever or whatever it is. And there is zero pressure on you to communicate any of that to anyone else. But I say, come up with a one, it's like a mission statement, sober response that right. you can deliver to anybody and you probably won't get any pushback. And when you give your sober response, don't apologize for it. So right. I You're not it, asking permission. You're just stating a fact. Correct. So what I and I learned, you know, I learned this in practice. So when I first stopped drinking, I just due to work commitments was still going to events where there was open bars and free drinks and I would get the question, can I get you a drink? And my initial sober response was, oh, sorry, I'm just not drinking this month. And I apologised for my sobriety. And then I would get, what do you mean you're not drinking? Like, what's wrong? What right. happened? Did something happen? Right. Oh, my God, I didn't know you had a drinking problem. Are you an alcoholic? Right. What's going on? Did you go to AA? Like, it was just crazy. And then what I realised, because that was just not helpful, and then it would get really awkward, and then I felt like I had to explain all of, you know, it was just, oh, it was, just wasn't, it just was not working. I realised if I stopped apologising that would probably like diffuse the pushback a little bit because I wasn't sorry that I wasn't drinking. <laughs> I was really glad that I wasn't drinking. So my response became more of, hey, do you want a drink? And I'd be like, I'm good, thanks. And then I would not say anything else and then just watch that person squirm. And then they'd go, uh, Not having anything at all? Okay, well, I'll just uh, – I'm just going to the bar then. Uh, I just, and I'm like, yep, I'll be here. <laughs> and like, just sit there yeah. and not, and the less I said, like the less I needed to say, isn't that so interesting? So I would definitely, so my sober response really did become no thanks or I'm good. And then if there was another question like, oh, like, are you not drinking? I'd be like, no, I'm not drinking at the moment. And again, just stop talking. And then they usually yes. would be like, uh, okay then. 
see you in a bit. <laughs> or like, can I get you a water? I'd love a water with some fresh lime and a long straw. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, I think having like having thought about it first is really important rather than in the moment, especially when it's if you're out and there's, you know, loud music and, you know, people carrying on, like it can be really distracting. And so you might feel the need to like over explain your decision because you're in an environment, you know, with a vibe. Um, but I think if you can really just drill down what your response is going to be and what what you feel comfortable saying in as few words as possible, that's going to really help. The other sort of situation that people can find themselves in is when if you're going to tell, say, like a close family member that you're not drinking, so you're volunteering the information. It's not a social situation. It's a hey, I want to let you know because I want your support. I think the way to approach that conversation, because that, again, can definitely have a lot of questions attached to it. Like, what do you mean? What are you saying? Like, do you have a problem? Do you, you know, um, do we need to send you to rehab? There's so many people's minds can really go off piste when you tell them that you're going to have some time away from drinking or that you've decided to stop drinking. But I think, again, just telling that family member that you don't want your opinion, you you just want their support. I felt like I didn't have to sort of define this. When I told my mum, I was like, mum, you know, I've been, I, th- I, I think I have a drinking problem. I'm going to get it in check. And I really just want you to support me on that journey. And she was like, oh, my God, absolutely. Like, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know yet, <laughs> but I'll right. let you know. And right. and I didn't feel like I had to go into all of this detail on why. And I, and I just said, I just want your support. And she was like, I can do that for you. So if, if, the requ- if you're saying to someone, I'm not drinking right now and I just need you to support me in this, I think that that makes it very clear that you just need their support. You don't need a barrage of questions. And I think over the early sobriety piece, as you unpack your relationship with alcohol and you figure out so much about yourself, your emotions, how your brain works, like then you might have those deeper conversations, but it will be when you're comfortable having them with the person that you want to have them with. It's who to tell and what to say and when. As little people as possible with as few words as possible whenever you feel like it. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Put that on a postcard. <laughs> Stick that on Instagram. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. We'll do another episode with another question each and I think that that will be the formula that I think will work for these little AMA apps. Well, it means too that if people listen to this and they would like to submit a question, and they are one of your listeners or one of mine, they can email me or email you an audio file. And what we'll do is we'll put our contact details in the show notes of this episode so you can reach out accordingly. And I love this because, Belle, you have such a wealth of knowledge and you do this. This is is what you do. And I just think having these conversations with real-life scenarios, real Mm, people – who are really going through sobriety, I think is so helpful. I just, I love this, like 
this different expression of um, the podcast format. I think it's going to be really helpful. And it's not just a conversation between you and I. It's a conversation with your community, right? Like when yes. people listen and they submit questions, then they hear someone who sounds like them or they hear a question that sounds like them or they realize they would have liked to have asked that question. It's more, it's, it's more inclusive. Sometimes when it's just you talking to me or me talking to you, people are like, blah, blah, blah. That's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. Right? But when you, this in the, at least in this case, we're, it, it's sort of like talking to the audience. You know? That's right. Right. And having the audience talk back in some cases with audio, with audio clips, which is great. It's so good. That's it. I'm not really sure how to end this. <laughs> well, we can leave it there and we can see what the feedback is like and you can submit some questions and then we can schedule another one. How about that? Sounds like a plan. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.